And it's now time. I want to welcome everybody back uh, for our we'll call it a kind of our lunchtime general session. Uh, it's going to run from 1245 until uh, 245. And so uh, the first part of our uh, general session today is really an opportunity for us, us to reach out and thank our sponsors uh, who have uh, given so generously to make this DC Leadership Conference a reality today. Uh, I first want to recognize J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, who this year was a presidential sponsor at $10,000. And then I would like to recognize Vanda Pharmaceutical, which uh, was a congressional sponsor at $5,000, and also giving very much thanks to Vespero, who was a Beltway sponsor this year. And I want to, we've got a couple of uh, folks who want to come and talk to us, uh, and we would love to hear from them. And I would first like to introduce Matt Aders, uh, who is a VP with Vespiro, and he is also a member of our ACB advisory board and has just been a wonderful asset to our organization. So, Matt, welcome, and we'd love to hear about what's new at Vespero. Thanks, Dan, and um, it's great to be here and and uh, look forward to future events like this. I know it's great because we do get to reach m new people this year with it being uh, virtual, but I figured uh, it's it's at the same time, we always love the connection when we get to do this in person. So a uh, couple of quick items. I'll just, I'll kind of crank through this because it's, a, I know it's a quick um, uh, touch base, but uh, Vespero obviously most of you know us in the four brands, whether it's Freedom Scientific, Optelec, Enhanced Vision, or the Paciello Group. Uh, three of those brands um, more recognizable to the blindness and low vision community, which are Freedom Scientific, Optelec, and Enhanced Vision. Um, you know, some of the new hardware that came out from those organizations this year or uh, companies this year is Merlin Mini from Enhanced Vision. Optelec came out with the Clearview Go. Um, uh, Topaz Ultra from Freedom Scientific and Optolic also came out with a Compact 10. Those are some of the hardware things. And then I kind of wanted to share some of the um, content stuff we've been doing. Um, webinars galore, as we all have been doing, uh, whether they're on Zoom or whatever platform, but um, we've all been living in webinar, webinar uh, worlds today. And there's been quite a bit um, hosted by Freedom Scientific. We've done two webinars a month uh, for JAWS, Zoom, Text, and Fusion. Uh, we do once weekly with ACB communities and, and have enjoyed doing those on Thursdays. Uh, we do once a month with APH where there, people can go uh, learn specific things for teaching and education. Um, and then we also do the Vespero hardware one once a month. So there's quite a bit of, of webinar content that's happening. Um, on the podcast side, last summer uh, in August, um, right after the convention or during the convention, I guess that would be in July, uh, we launched the uh, Freedom Scientific Training Podcast. So you can ask any of your smart speakers uh, to play the latest training podcast. And there's been a new uh, release of training material once a month, or excuse me, once a week. Um, so there's a lot of content out there now, and, and that kind of stuff will continue there. And some of it's going to be um, old webinars repeated in podcast form because people prefer to listen to it on uh, their mobile and portable speakers. Um, you can obviously subscribe to that channel as well. Um, and then YouTube training videos, 
Oh my goodness. It's crazy the amount of content that's been up there. And one of the things that we did this year is, is try to make all of that content that was like an hour long webinar before we sliced and diced that into smaller chunks. So you could actually go up there and get a tip that's only two minutes long. You could go up there and get a, how to do a chat in teams. That's, that's 10 minutes long. Um, so there's, quite a bit of difference in terms of, of content up there and um, would recommend that people subscribe to that channel. Um, and then the tips. Um, I've been posting tips in the ACB uh, uh, Facebook group um, for the last uh, month or so. Uh, continue to do that. Those tips are on JAWS, ZoomText, Fusion, Office, uh, Teams, uh, Windows, whatever the topic may be. And hopefully people are enjoying those. We're trying to help people learn. Um, and those are short, quick tips on how to do something. And those also turn into videos that are on the YouTube if you'd prefer to watch them in a YouTube form uh, format. And then quickly, I'll just jump through some of the quick features that were added to the uh, products of software this year, which most of us use. Um, uh, picture smart on the web. So if you land a picture in Facebook, you can actually have JAWS. If you hear the word graphic, you can do an insert space uh, P for picture smart. And I think it's uh, C to acquire the image, but I could be wrong on the keystroke. But if it uh, insert space followed by P and then do the question mark, you'll get all the keystrokes for picture smart. Um, OCR to Word, you can hit an applications key or shift F10 on any file in your computer. That's an image and that could be a PDF or, or a JPEG or whatever format and say OCR to Word. And that's uh, right there in the latest JAWS as well, which people really enjoyed not having to copy and paste into Word. Um, the Ask Sharky and Ask Zoomy stuff. And so if you haven't heard that you can now ask JAWS to do things um, or Zoom text or Fusion to do things, JAWS uses the wake word Sharky. Hopefully, I didn't wake up everybody's computer by saying that. And if I did, hello, Sharky. Uh, the other is Zoomy. So you can ask Zoomy to do things as well. And that's Infusion and, and Zoom Text. Um, team supports new. Um, uh, and the latest one in here in February, we support uh, apps like Weather and News, which are part of the Windows App Store, um, and then Math Equation support. Um, the last part I want to mention is the, the home portal licenses. If you go to portal.freedomscientific.com, you can get a license um, for $80 a year for ZoomText, $90 a year for JAWS. Those prices do go up in March uh, by $5. I think it's $85 and $95. And then there's also a Fusion license. And for those doing their SMAs, um, you know, if there's an SMA program to get your software up to date, it's highly recommend that people keep it up to date because Windows is changing every every time you turn on your computer. Um, Office is changing um, every, you know, two to six weeks, depending on how your platform set up. Uh, Teams is updating. Uh, your browsers are updating every time you turn on your computer. So if you don't keep the JAWS ZoomText Fusion up to date, you're probably going to be behind in some of that software. So Dan, hopefully I, I didn't talk too much, but uh, give you a quick overview of what we're doing. Thank you, Matt. Great information. And again, thank you for being a sponsor and thank you for doing the weekly community event calls. They're well attended and very informative. So uh, thank you for being such a good partner with Vespero. Uh, and anytime and, and just let us know what else we can do. That's the one thing I ask is if we're not doing something, you know, please let us know what we can do better. Thank you, Matt. Have a good afternoon. You too. 
next, uh, we'd like to introduce Jennifer Lyman. Uh, she is a nurse educator with Vander, Vanda Pharmaceuticals. And uh, Francis and the team at Vanda are always and have been such an important and integral part of ACB for a number of years now. Uh, we welcome uh, Vince, uh, as we welcome Vanda's uh participation this year, again, as a congressional sponsor. And Jennifer, we'd love to hear from you. Welcome. Great. Thank you so much. This is so awesome for me. Um, But like Matt, I'm not going to take a lot of time. Um, Again, my name is Jennifer Lyman, and I am one of the non-24 nurse educators uh, for Vanda Pharmaceuticals. And um, I thought I would spend just a couple of minutes um, sharing some information about Vanda. Um, what I do as a nurse educator and why it's important to know about non-24. Many of you are familiar with Vanda Pharmaceuticals or you're familiar with the non-24 sleep-wake disorder, but some of you might not be. So I'll share information on Vanda and then talk about the role of a non-24 nurse educator. Um, Most of you probably know that Vanda, Vanda Pharmaceuticals is a biopharmaceutical company that focuses on unmet needs of rare diseases and disorders, including non-24. So we're committed to education and research in that area. And it's one of the reasons um, we have nurse educators out in the field. Um, As a nurse educator, my goal is to raise awareness of non-24 through community outreach because it's a rare disorder that causes sleep disturbances, which can have significant health consequences. Um, I'm right now living in the Chicago area, but I cover the entire Midwestern region. Um, But I also have three other nurse colleagues. So we've split up the country into quadrants and and that's the way we've been uh, working things. We usually meet in person or virtually with organizations and support groups within our regions um, for groups that support the visually impaired. But there are other people on our team as well. So each nurse educator uh, partners, if you will, with a health educator. Um, That's someone who over the phone can talk to people um, in greater detail about non-24 and um, maybe some therapies. They can talk to people about getting a sleep journal started, um, just lots of resources at their disposal. Um, We also work with account managers. Those are basically the sales reps. They go out and meet with healthcare professionals in their offices, whether it's a doctor or nurse practitioner, to make sure that they understand non-24, how to recognize it and how to treat it. So um, even with the nurse educators working out in communities, awareness remains low, um, including among healthcare professionals. So I'm sure many of you have heard a presentation in the past on non-24, but research suggests that you need to hear something five to six times in order to learn it. So repetition is intentionally built into our presentations And it's one of the reasons we continue to come back and visit with um, organizations. Um, It's important to know that symptoms can appear at any time. So even if you've heard something about non-24 in the past, maybe you didn't have sleep struggles at that time. And because our health is a journey, things change and maybe sleep is now a challenge for some people. 
Therefore, when you hear that information, you'll be hearing it with new ears because it's, it's more relevant to you. So although non-24 can affect up to 70% of those who are blind, you don't have to be totally blind to have non-24. Another important reason why we're out in the community um, trying to raise awareness. Um, and we know you all are doing a great job welcoming new members. So that information might be new um, to the newer members. Um, just a little overview of what we cover. Um, our education sessions are strictly educational and unbranded, which means there's no mentioning of treatments or brands. Um, the signs and symptoms of non-24 are discussed so that they can be recognized. And we explain how non-24 differs from sleep disorders. So learning about a disorder is an important first step for people in advocating for themselves. So if anyone would like more information on Vanda, you can visit the webpage um, at Vanda Pharma, that's one word, V-A-N-D-A-P-H-A-R-M-A.com. Or if you would like to have a nurse educator speak at, at an event, a convention or support group, feel free to reach out to me. Um, I'm always available. My phone number is area code 202-875-4714. We love what we do. And on behalf of my colleagues, I want to thank you all for allowing us to share information on non-24. It's so appreciated. Thanks for your attention and enjoy the conference. Thank you, Jennifer, and thank you to all that Vanda does. And I, I just have to give a little shout out that Vanda not only participates as a sponsor in our national uh, convention and our DC Leadership Conference, as I've virtually toured around the country participating in multiple state and special interest affiliate uh, conventions, Vanda is also very present in those affiliate levels, and we really appreciate that. Uh, Vanda's support uh, for our affiliates really makes a huge difference, and thank you, Jennifer, for uh, all that Vanda does. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks, Dan. And it really has been such a treat for all of us to meet members across the country. So thank you so much for affording us that opportunity. Oh, have a good afternoon, Jennifer. And thanks for coming and stopping by. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, next, I am so excited to introduce uh, Eric Bridges, our executive director, to introduce our keynote speaker for today. So uh, everybody stay tuned, get ready to smile and laugh and have a good time. And I am going to turn it over to Eric Bridges. By saying that the, the uh, speaker today uh, and I have known one another for probably three or four years. I got to know uh, Will, when he was part of the San Francisco for the Blind, uh, the Lighthouse, <laughs> uh, the San Francisco Lighthouse uh, leadership team uh, three or four years ago, and have gotten to know him better since. And uh, with his departure and uh, him arriving at Be My Eyes, it's been wonderful to be able to work with him and the Be My Eyes team. Uh, as Many of you are probably aware we've been a part of the Be My Eyes platform for almost a year now, and it has been wonderful to be able to provide that uh, level of support to ACB members, but frankly, folks from around the blind community that are interfacing with Be My Eyes. So, uh, 
over the last roughly year or so, you all have noticed that we have needed to uh, really figure out and adapt to the virtual world and how to communicate, how to how to engage with the membership and the broader blind community. And uh, as an example, this morning, we had a breakout that dealt with that issue and the tremendous support that ACB Radio has lent to us elevating our, our voice to other channels within our community. I uh, invited Will to come and be with us today to talk a little bit about the importance of elevating one's voice over different platforms, uh, doing it in different ways. Uh, the importance of video. Yes, many of us cannot see, but we're not the only audience that often visits uh, the American Council of the Blind uh, webpage, uh, website, or our social media platforms on Facebook, YouTube, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, and, and other platforms. And so the importance of video, uh, what it means to those audiences, there's a, a, an enormous audience that is low vision, of which video is of great import. So uh, Will has a, a podcast that he does with Be My Eyes. He also has various side projects. I listened to him interview on one of his podcasts last year, uh, the iconic skateboard uh, superstar Tony Hawk, which is pretty cool, Will. Uh, that was, had to be a cool opportunity. I'm envious. And he's done a bunch of other things. And he's got some interesting perspectives uh, as, a, as an individual who is blind, that is in communications and all about figuring out how to do outreach to our community. And so with that, I am very pleased to introduce the Vice President for Community at Be My Eyes, from Los Angeles, California, Will Butler. Welcome. Thank, thank you, Eric. Thank you so much. Um, really, really pleased to be here. And I believe the last time we saw each other was here in Los Angeles. It was before the world sort of went dark for a while. Yeah, it was just about one year ago. Um, it was. Yeah. Well, and Eric, correct me if I'm wrong, but we will have a chance to do some questions, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. There will be uh, a few minutes set aside, depending upon uh, your you know, your presentation. Yes. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I have a whole bunch of stuff I'd love to talk about and get through, but it's also really, really important to me that I'm answering, you know, questions that are relevant to people and bringing that value that everyone's always talking about to, to, um, to the folks who are listening. And I know there's a lot of people on the call and I want to, I want to engage. So I'm going to try to get through my spiel, um, with enough with plenty of time for questions so as you're listening feel free to take a mental note of um, something that might interest you because i'm happy to to dive deeper into any of the topics that that i go into today um yeah and with that um thank you to the acb um it's it's it's, it's a great weekend and it's great to hear all the ambitions on display today and uh, all the exciting new projects that are underway um, I certainly, uh, um, every time there's a new announcement uh, from ACB, whether it's about audio description or, uh, or uh, some of the new uh, podcasts and projects that you've been launching, I'm very excited. Uh, and I, I read with great uh, anticipation 
the dots and dashes every week. And, you know, I think sometimes as professionals who um, send out communications, you know, uh, folks like me and people on my team who send out email newsletters and those sorts of things, we sort of feel like we're sending them out into the abyss. And um, so I definitely like to take the opportunity anytime I can to remind folks that um, when you hit, hit the send button, uh, those efforts are not in vain. Many, many people are reading these communications that we send out and, and today more than ever. Um, so a little bit just about to intro, Eric, thank you so much for the introduction. And again, my name is Will Butler. I, uh, my, my title is VP of Community at the Be My Eyes app. Um, Be My Eyes is a, a wonderful uh, company and a mobile application. If none of you, um, if any of you don't have the app, please download it. Um, it's a free sighted assistance app. Um, and we are based, our team is based all around the world. Um, so we have offices in Denmark and in California, as well as little outposts around the Midwest and um, all over the United States. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Be My Eyes, uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit about where I came from and sort of how I'm viewing the media and communications landscape today. Um, being that I used to work at the Lighthouse for the Blind in San Francisco, so I have some experience in the nonprofit realm. And then I also have a background in journalism, so I have gotten a peek into sort of what, what the media landscape, evolving media landscape is like. Um, but first, I just want to yeah, elaborate a bit more on what Eric was talking about, about ACB on Be My Eyes. Um, for those that don't know, um, you know, many people have thought of Be My Eyes over the years, rightly so, as a volunteer community. And um, Be My Eyes was founded six years ago on a very, very simple principle, which is that you should be able to overcome an accessibility barrier with a pair of eyes whenever you needed it, not have to wait for someone to show up at your house or for your family member to be available. Um, our founder hands, uh, in Denmark, came up with this idea. He himself is legally blind. He says hello to everyone, by the way. And, um, and he, he came up with this idea of, I should be able to push a button and have a pair of eyes at my disposal. Um, I, you know, personally, our whole executive team believes that sight should be free and that it's not something you should have to pay for. And so we've worked very hard to make sure that the volunteer network is, is you know, always available and always um, quick to answer. Our algorithms, you know, work behind the scenes when you push the button on the Be My Eyes app to reach a volunteer in just a matter of seconds. We, we serve 185 languages today and across all of those 185 languages, our average connection time to a volunteer is less than 30 seconds. In English, you're gonna find it, if you speak English, it's even less like uh, most of the time in the single digits. So you're just waiting literally a few seconds for a pair of eyes, as opposed to 10, 20 years ago, when, when you needed a pair of eyes, it might take days, hours, weeks, months to have someone um, available to read you the things that you wanted read. So that is what everyone you know, in our community is familiar with about Be My Eyes, about sort of the Be My Eyes story. 
Um, but the sort of next chapter that we're in now that folks aren't as familiar with is our investment in specialized help services. So um, a couple of years ago, we sat down with Microsoft and to address a, a problem, which was that, um, you know, we had users calling, um, calling uh, making Be My Eyes calls for Microsoft issues. And Microsoft had a help desk that wanted to help people with Be My Eyes issues. Uh, and Microsoft wasn't getting a chance to see how their products were working for blind and low vision people once they were out in the wild. Um, they could do user testing before things were released, but it was a totally different matter altogether to actually see um, what the real life issues were. So we asked Microsoft if they would like us to route calls into their call center, and that was the beginning of specialized help. Um, so today you can call Microsoft 24 hours a day, seven days a week on the Be My Eyes app, directly from within the Be My Eyes app to make a Be My Eyes call um, and connect very quickly with someone who is trained to help you solve your problem. So from there, we, we quickly had kind of a chain of, of other companies join. Google joined shortly after Microsoft. Um, and today we have a whole sort of hub on the Be My Eyes service of providers. Um, I'll talk a little bit more later on about Be My Eyes and happy to answer any questions about Be My Eyes. Um, but that's not exactly why we're here today. I wanted to talk about uh, what ACB is doing on Be My Eyes because during, this, uh, during the pandemic time, when you know, I, was, I was sitting back and watching all of, our, all of the doors closing of all of the great blindness organizations around the country, and I thought to myself, blindness organizations need to not lose that connection with the, the average consumer who can just walk in the door, um, walk up to the front desk and ask a question or um, give a call. And so we reached out to blindness organizations around the country and around the world, and we invited them to join the Be My Eyes platform uh, at no charge. Um, this, is a, this is a service uh, that we're granting specifically to blindness organizations that have uh, a mission to serve the blind and low vision community. And what that allows is an official presence for any blindness organization in the Be My Eyes app, along with a video call button and a calling feature that allows you to be available to any Be My Eyes app user uh, during any hours of the day that you choose. So ACB, uh, about a year ago now, really embraced this initiative and um, joined the Be My Eyes service and now has a team of folks at the central ACB offices answering Be My Eyes calls uh, five hours a day now, um, five days a week, um, to answer any questions that any member may have just high level about ACB and about membership and about resources. And it, it, it's been an incredible way, not only for ACB just to have a profile and a brand presence in the community, but also to just increase that feeling of connectivity that consumers, that the end user, that the average blind person feels with ACB. Um, I, I would love to chat a little bit about that later, but it's just one example of, of how there are so many new channels now where you can connect directly with those you're trying to serve. Um, so I, I, uh, 
I want to I want to just briefly go back and talk, give a little context about who I am and sort of where I came from. I, I I did not grow up as a blind person. I didn't identify with even low vision, even though I was very much low vision as a as a young kid. Um, I didn't identify with my struggles in classes. I didn't identify with the fact that I had trouble reading sheet music on the piano. Um, it wasn't until I was in my teen years that I actually started to lose vision uh, in a way that was substantial, but, um, but I didn't identify with it at all. And so I didn't know anyone who was blind. I wasn't familiar with anyone who was even identified as visually impaired. It was all uh, very foreign to me. And then when I was 19 and I became legally blind um, due to retinal detachment in my good eye at that point, my one good eye, I really had no footing underneath me. I really had no resources. My doctors didn't, everyone is familiar with this story, right? Anyone who's listening to me talking right now knows what it feels like to walk out of a doctor's office and feel like you maybe didn't necessarily get what you needed. Um, but you don't know what you need, right? And, um, you know, even in those days, it was just uh, about 12 or 13 years ago now, even even in 2008 or nine, log on to the internet, it was a different internet than it is now. Um, there were no blind, in, you know, influencers, certainly not. There were no blind, uh, you know, YouTubers with millions of followers, there weren't really even much in the way of podcasts about blindness, at least nothing that you could find if you weren't sort of an insider, if you didn't already have an in with the community. Um, the only thing, the only real online resources to speak of at that time to the average, you know, layperson Googling around for issues about blindness was newsletters and newsletter archives. And, you know, newsletters are still an effective way of communicating, but it was only an absolute seed of what we have today. Um, today is a completely different landscape. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And I want to answer any questions that might exist about that. Um, but, bef you know, before getting into that, I came into my own, you know, kind of experience of blindness. I took me four years to start using a cane. I had a lot of, uh, I had a lot of, uh, uh, let's say, interesting uh, situations in that period of time. I, I uh, was stopped at Border Patrol because I looked suspicious. Uh, you know, um, I probably looked like I was intoxicated or, you know, and some, and this sort of like, it, there's just so many examples of our, um, of how we behave when we're trying to fit in with others, when we're trying to hide our vision um, as a young person without a cane, without a dog. Uh, I was absolutely uh, just trying to fit in with the, the stereotype of what I thought a young, you know, quote unquote, able-bodied person should look like. And so it was a struggle. It was really a, um, you know, a challenge. And finally, when I picked up the cane in 2012, everything just cracked open. Everything changed. Um, suddenly it, things weren't so awkward at work anymore. Um, people didn't, people didn't, you know, side eye me and try to figure out what was wrong with me. Why was I walking so slowly in that one dark corner of the office? Uh, why would, you know, why, why did I, uh, reach out 
to the, you know, the, the, over the tip jar at the cash register and drop the coins right onto the counter. You know, strange little things like that that had no explanation when I wasn't identifying myself as visually impaired. But then suddenly with the cane in my hand, everything fell into place. And my career took off as well. I started writing more. I had more confidence to go out in journalistic ventures and interview um, sources and um, be comfortable with the fact that I couldn't see everything. And I was pitching to major news outlets. And pretty soon I was writing for publications that you know the names of, like New York Times and New Yorker and Atlantic. And I was writing not just about blindness, but about um, technology and culture. It was really quite a, um, quite a wonderful time for, for a young you know, person coming into their own. And I attribute it very much to my willingness to embrace my blindness. But at the same time, it wasn't the whole picture. I still had so many parts of my life that I hadn't figured out yet. And without kind of a support community online that I could look to in the evenings when I got home, you know, from work and skim through, you know, information and resources and joke around with other people who were going through what I was going through, it really, uh, it really wasn't a full picture, a full picture of community or of options of how to live my life. So around this time, I was lucky because I um, ran into the folks at the Lighthouse for the Blind in San Francisco. And I came to work there in 2015 during a big, big shift at the Lighthouse and a move to a new headquarters. And I spent three or four years there at the Lighthouse and over the course of, I could give a whole talk about what I learned at, at the Lighthouse, but I, you know, to sum it all up, I really feel like I sort of went back to college in a lot of ways. Um, I had just gotten out of college, but I feel like I went back and I went to sort of um, to blind school in some sense. Uh, it was incredible all that I learned. Um, just about, not so much about the, you know, how to... Um, you know, operate a piece of technology or how to, uh, you know, um, measure, you know, the right length of a cane, but more, more things about attitude and your bearing in the world and your place in the world and seeing, you know, coming to work with 75 or so different blind people every day and seeing the myriad diversity of approaches to blindness and how well, some people behave like this and some people behave like this. And you know what? Everybody's approach to blindness is valid and, um, and good and works for them. And I, I really can't emphasize enough how valuable it was for me to be exposed to that many different perspectives. And so I think, you know, fast forwarding a little bit today, where I run community and communications and social media and brand for Be My Eyes, which is this vast blindness community that spans 175 countries. I'm thinking about what is the universal way? What is the, the, the way to connect with a blind, a visually impaired, or an ally, a consumer, use, app user, whoever it is, it's not limited simply to people who identify as blind or low vision. It could be anyone around them, anyone in their family, anyone on the periphery. Um, 
or just simply someone who's an ally. Because let's not forget that of our 5 million, you know, cited app users, many of those people will also experience visual impairments. In fact, a higher percentage than even the number of users we have already. So it's, it, it's really important that we're speaking to everyone when we speak about issues of blindness, because it really truly does affect everyone. And even if you don't become blind, you're going to have someone in your life who is, and you're going to need to know how to treat them, how to respect them, how to give them autonomy, how to give them support. So I really can't emphasize enough how, how important it is our communications are, are, are vast and diverse and speak to everyone. But what is that thing, right? What is that, um, that universal way to communicate a message about blindness? And how do you do it at a mass scale when there's so many different ways to communicate? I mean, um, today there are more choices than ever when it comes to getting your message out there. A lot of people's minds first go to Facebook, right? And Facebook is really just the tip of the iceberg, um, in fact, I, I think Facebook probably represents only a small slice today of the communications that are happening in the community building that's happening on the internet. You know, just sort of speaking broadly, all of this applies equally to topics of blindness as it does to the mainstream community. But you have blind and visually impaired people now on TikTok. I don't know if anyone has ever explored TikTok as a social network. It's one of these brand new social networks that just came out the gate you know, in the last few years, very quickly rose to popularity. And you have dozens and dozens and dozens of blind and visually impaired people, many of whom are young people on this app, making videos on a daily basis and connecting with hundreds of thousands and millions of people. I'm not exaggerating here when I can tell you that a 22-year-old on TikTok can make one video and in a matter of hours, they can have reached more people than the ACB has reached over the course of that entire year or dozens of years. And I say that not to be sort of daunting because I do realize that like not every social media platform is right for every business. Personally, Be My Eyes doesn't even have a TikTok account, but it's important to understand how all of these different platforms and social networks are creating a constellation of communication and engagement around us so that we know what environment we're playing in. Um, there's all these other platforms as well, and I'm not going to go into them today because it's a whole you know, dissertation, but there's forums like Reddit, Instagram, which is very much owned by Facebook. There's Twitter, of course, where many of you are familiar. There's chatter constantly going on. And then all these splinter social medias now that are popping up Things like Discord, which, believe it or not, is a hub for blind gamers. Um, you have Clubhouse, which is the newest sort of audio-based social media, which just popped up just in the last year. Um, I spent six hours on Clubhouse a couple of days ago talking to dozens and dozens of blind and visually impaired people about everything from um, what we think of visual, uh, blindness simulations all the way down to What's the right cane for a hiking trip? And so, like it or not, our community has splintered into a million separate parts. And all of these conversations are happening simultaneously. And there are rooms now, Zoom rooms, you know, all of these things where um, people are talking. 
So you have two things going on here, which is that you have less control over the overarching narrative, but at the same time, you have a stronger word of mouth effect. So you have less control over the overarching narrative. You don't have the ability to press one button and send out a communication that's going to affect everyone. And yet, if you do something valuable, if you do something that makes a difference in people's lives, the word of mouth is going to spread hundreds of times faster than it ever did before. And that is regardless of what platform you're using to spread your message. So, you know, simultaneously with this, we have the rise of voice technology, which is a really interesting sort of curveball in here. And that's, you know, Alexa and podcasts and all these sorts of things. And that has an interesting effect, a level playing field effect as well, because we get to consume content the way that many people like to today. And we're very much a part of the mainstream. We have many apps bringing us in and making sure that their mainstream experiences are accessible. Um, and that's a wonderful, wonderful thing because it means that we can pull open the Kindle app or we can pull open the Audible app, whatever it might be, and interact. Um, we have, due to the wonderful work of ACB and others, we have um, streaming entertainment platforms, adding audio description. Blind folks are allowed to participate in the mainstream in a way that they weren't before. And so I really want to emphasize that the role of, you know, an organization, I think, like ACB, when it comes to putting out a podcast or just posting something on Facebook or trying a new media format is really to sit back and think, what value can I add to someone's life? What can I say that's going to affect that 19-year-old in Iowa who just is experiencing a vision impairment for the first time. Um, we're looking to create community here. And community is created through um, trust, which comes through vulnerability and honesty, right? And uh, everyone now has a high-quality microphone and a high-quality camera in their pocket. And so... <laughs> You know, it's not about production value anymore. It's not about being polished or shiny or high end. It's about taking out your phone, hitting record and sharing something that's honest and authentic and real with people that's, that you may be struggled with once in your life that's going to help people. And that is what is going to activate that word of mouth effect that's going to spread your message far and wide. And that's the thing that's going to strengthen communities for the long term. Now, I realize I've gone on and on and, and not left that much time for questions. It's amazing how time flies when you get me up on my soapbox. But um, I love to just sort of open it up and answer anything that, that may pop up uh, in just the last couple of minutes here uh, before we move on. Thank you, Will. This is Dan Spoon, ACB president, and we'll have people raise their hands now for questions. And I'll get one in while we're, while people are raising their hands. So uh, the theme of our DC Leadership Conference this year is fostering voice, choice, and community. And it just really resonated with your talk to us this afternoon. Where, where do you see um, communications going here in the next five years? It, it feels to me like the days of the pre-canned broadcast and people just being listening as opposed to interacting, that's, that's the past and the future is live and engagement. Uh, what, what are your thoughts yeah. in that area? 
Well, a few things. I think, first of all, very much live. You said the word live. That's going to be important. Um, people aren't going to be spending lots of time pre-recording things and releasing them. Um, they may be archived as podcasts after the fact, but a lot is going to happen live. So invest in people who are good talkers. Invest in people who are dynamic and, and passionate. The other thing that's happening is it's a move toward the sort of personal brand, for lack of a better term, the move toward a focus on the individual. So on these social networks where people are talking with each other, um, it's going to be about personalities. You know, you're the, an agency or an organization's communications are going to be reflected through personalities. And I really think that investing in people and personalities is, is going to be of a huge benefit to any organization that's trying to get the word out. Um, the final thing I think is that it's not super important which platform you choose um, to post your things on. It's much more about um, thinking critically about the content <coughs> that you're putting out and thinking, how is this helping some, really keeping that, having that individual in your mind's eye of who you're trying to help when you're putting out your content, making sure it's authentic and vulnerable. T to me, that, that is where this is all going. Um, and, and uh, you know, I think, I, I think podcasts are also, I don't want to take away from podcasts because I think I should say, you know, we launched one podcast to be my eyes. We were very happy with it. So we launched a second and this week I'm going to launch a third. So it's, <laughs> we're investing heavily in podcasts. In fact, to sort of plug it, you know, this, this new thing we're working on is totally about humor. It's called say my meme. And it's going to be completely about describing memes for people who are blind or low vision because memes, you know, these little funny cartoons that are on the internet are really actually a cultural zeitgeist now and they're a way that people communicate but they're entirely visual and so a podcast that might be sort of a fun funny casual um you know inoffensive thing might actually be the deepest most meaningful way that a potential member connects with your organization that's great uh so cindy don do we have any hands raised for questions right now there aren't any hands there are no I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm happy to sort of wrap it up. I know I'm over time now, but um, happy to answer any other questions, Dan or Eric, before I jump off. It's been if, great to be here this morning. At if I could jump life. in. I, I, please, I just, please, Cindy. Yeah, yes. I just would like to uh, invite you, Will, to maybe touch base with me and see about doing a community event about Be My Eyes uh, for ACB. And we, you know, been engaging with people in the blindness community for nearly a year now on a daily basis and yeah. would love to partner with you on maybe bringing some of, maybe focusing on different areas of Be My Eyes, such as specialized help or some other aspects of Be My Eyes, if you would like to do that. So I would be thrilled. Absolutely. We, we, we've been so busy this, these past uh, several months of Be My Eyes, we I didn't even get a chance to share, but we launched Be My Eyes for Work, which is our new workplace accommodation software. So any of that your, could be that could be a presentation all in right. It could be all of itself. itself. Yeah, and we're, we're yeah. helping with COVID tests in the UK and in the US. Exactly. So yeah, um, we love it. 
it, let's, let's, do it. let's definitely do that. that and sounds thank, good. thank you so much, Cindy. You bet. And, and well, I want to learn more about the, the memes because I'm telling you, everywhere you go, people talk about memes. And I know kind of what a meme is, but you're, as a blind person, I, I haven't been able to, to, to enjoy them. So well, that's exciting. We're launch, well, we're launching a podcast just for you, Dan. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> and bring well, everybody up to speed. And I guarantee you, it's going to be a hoot. Well, so, thank you. Thank yeah. you so much, Will. We hey, really appreciate for, it. Yeah, keep an eye out for, for Say My Meme. That's coming uh, in the next week here. Awesome. Say My hey, Meme. Yes. Thank you so much for taking time out of your weekend to be with us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Eric, thanks so much for inviting me. It really is an honor to talk to everyone. And please, everyone, just email me. My email address is will at bemyeyes.com. My inbox is flooded anyway. Just shoot me an email, will at bemyeyes.com. We'll figure out how to make Be My Eyes work for you. And I will give you, you know, personal advice on communications if you if you really want it. I'm I love this community and I'm happy to do whatever I can for everyone. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Will. Uh, so just for everybody's schedule, we'll kind of we'll be running maybe oh five minutes five minutes. So adjust your schedule for five minutes as you see it on the agenda, uh, and. Next, we're going to take the opportunity to hear uh, from a, tw- a little flashback at a 2020 highlight video. So everybody stay tuned for some highlights of ACB in the past. An old flickering film reel appears. Counting down a clock cuts to ACB logo over U.S. Capitol at night, then fades to Statue of Liberty, which dissolves to Pacific waves on a beach, then to the Rocky Mountains. California, Florida, Iowa, Texas, guide dog users, students, IT professionals, government employees. The American Council of the Blind has members in all 50 states and is actively engaged in a wide variety of activities. Welcome to the 2020 convention of the American Council of the Blind. And I would like to now call the 59th annual ACB conference and convention to order. American flag blows in the wind. Thank you, Janet. Thank you to your committee. And thanks to all those other countless volunteers, our ACB radio team, our ACB staff, and the hundreds and hundreds of volunteers who have made this convention uh, a reality. My name is Roy Samuelson. I'm a tall male wearing a black t-shirt under a wrinkled denim jacket. I smile a lot and get animated when I get passionate. First of all, Thank you for inviting us audio description narrators into your TVs, your theaters, and your smartphones. This year, our International Achievement Award goes to Vocalize in the United Kingdom. Hi, I'm Matthew Cox, Chief Executive of Vocalize from the UK. We're so incredibly grateful and proud to have been given this award. The award comes at a time when theaters, museums, and heritage sites across the UK face an uncertain future. And we're all concerned with ensuring access and inclusion are not sacrificed in the new normal. The award's already been a great morale booster to help us at this time. Senator Ed Markey, Senator from Massachusetts. And while I wish we could be together in person for your annual conference and convention, I want to thank the American Council of the Blind and all its partners for your incredible continuing commitment, even through this pandemic, to connecting everyone and bringing opportunities to all. Because of the ADA, A low-vision resident of a nursing home can demand a large print meal or activity schedule. Emily Glazer. Um, So what drew me to Achilles is that it's a very inclusive 
very positive, uh, very forward-moving, um, forward-thinking organization. Hello, I'm Charles Cooper, and on behalf of Signal Outdoors, we're really excited today to have a conversation with Clark Rockfall. Walk, walk through some of the, the technologies that have become available that are now being utilized to, to create sort of a better experience for people when they're in the outdoors. The question about technology and how technology can be used by people who are blind and visually impaired, um, especially in outdoor environments, is a really interesting one, Charles. Hello and welcome to Get Up and Get Moving, a call for leveraging technology to improve health and wellness. My name is Robert Frawley, and on behalf of Tech Global, I am so excited to have you join us today. I was able Charles. to bring myself down from uh, being insulin dependent to not needing to use insulin any longer. Uh, I was able to lose 75 pounds just because I was paying attention to what I ate and how it affected my blood sugar. Clark, are you pumped up for White Candy? I am. Thanks, everyone, joining us on YouTube Live. It's called ECB Voices for a reason. It's for all of us to take our individual experiences or some of our shared experiences and pass them through the ECB community and the community at large. Fortunately, thanks to companies like Apple, who introduced a year earlier the first accessible iPhone, we knew what could be done. And thanks to groups like the American Council of the Blind, we knew our voices calling for equality in a changing media and landscape would be heard. That's what made the day in the White House so special when President Obama signed into law the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act. Welcome to uh, YouTube Live today here at the American Council of the Blind. And we're really excited today to celebrate International Day of Persons with Disabilities. Tony it's Steven. that struggle and desire to be independent. I think it's fair to say that same struggle and desire is very well alive in our country right now as America wrestles with this isolation that the coronavirus has thrown on all of us. I am so grateful to have the opportunity to get to know so many amazing people through the American Council of the Blind and through our community events. The yeah, pandemic bridges. will eventually end, but what we've, what, the foundation of what we built is only gonna be further enhanced. And so, you know, th we've, we've found a way to engage with a whole new group of people uh, that is growing by the day. And we are, frankly, we're, we're so, excited but we're also very appreciative the end of the film real flickering wow Woo. Woo. brought a tear to my eyes guys that was sensational all of us coming together and just showing in a five minute highlight reel what acb <laughs> means to all of us. Thank you so much. Thank you for everybody for this year. Um, gathering my thoughts, I now want to move forward with how we continue to develop leaders inside this organization, and that is through the Derwood K. McDaniel Fund uh, Committee and two key programs, our ACB First Timers Program and our J.P. Morgan Chase Fellows. And I want to introduce today Kenneth Simeon, 
uh, from Beaumont, Texas, who's the chair of the DKM Fund Committee, and Zelda Gephard uh, from Edgeley, North Dakota, who is a member of the DKM Fund Committee and is also a director on our Board of Publications. So, Kenneth and Zelda. Thank you, Dan. I am so glad to be a part of this event. It's been pretty lively, and uh, I'm looking forward to more in these next few days. The Derwood K. May Daniel Fund Committee strives to honor the legacy of Derwood K. May Daniel, also known as our founding father of ACB. I'd like to begin by thanking my committee members, which I call a team that comes together to work and accomplish all the goals that we have before us. And we have Anthony Akamini, Ted Boardman, Zelda Gebhardt, Betsy Grinovich, Amanda Stelm, Frank Ventura, and Sheila Young. Now, we will have a brief overview of both of our awards today. And let's begin with Zelda Gebhardt, who will share about our ACB JP Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows Award. Zelda? Thanks, Kenneth. Um, hi, I'm Zelda, and I'm, I'm a proud member of the Derwood K. McDaniel Fund Committee. Um, I've been on the committee since 2014, and our committee has the privilege to select both the DKM first-timers and the, the ACB J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows. It's, it's a fun job, guys. In other words, we are in the business of growing leaders for ACB, and I'm going to focus today um, on, on the Leadership Fellows part. Uh, this is the sixth, sixth year that the J.P. Morgan Chase has partnered with ACB uh, to encourage existing leaders to take their leadership to the next level. Uh, this is done by providing the resources for five individuals to be recognized and attend the ACB conference and convention. And hopefully, um, they'll, they'll attend the convention virtually in 2021, and, and hopefully next year, they'll get to come in person to Omaha at the 2022 convention. Uh, how you can apply, you, you need to apply, and, and, and maybe you can join the ranks of the 30 people who have been previously selected. Many of them have been successful and in increasing their level of service to ACB by serving on committees, and we even have one that serves on the ACB board. So we're very proud of this program. Uh, the criteria that you need to meet in order to apply is you must be 18 years of age or older, uh, be blind or visually impaired, be a dues-paying member of ACB. And to apply, you submit a letter of application and have your affiliate president submit a letter of recommendation. Applications must be received um, by April 5th, and they're to be sent to Kelly Gask at kgasque at acb.org. The selection process includes an interview with one of the teams from the DKM committee. And if you are an affiliate president, please encourage those in your organization who have sh some shown leadership skills and potential. I want to end with a quote from one of our leadership fellows from last year. 
She said, after attending the convention, I came away from the convention more informed, inspired, and feeling revived. So, Kenneth, I'm going to turn it back to you. Thank you, Zelda. I am honored to say that we will be celebrating our 25th anniversary as uh, the DKTKM First Timers Award that we give out. Uh, we will have a reception for those who are selected, as we do every year. And we have a great theme uh, together in harmony that we'll be focusing on during that event. And prior to us getting to that point, we do want to encourage those who are eligible uh, to apply uh, for this award. And I'm honored to say that I was a first timer in 2010, and uh, things have gotten uh, so uh, much better in my personal life as a blind or visually impaired person. Um, since then, I've, I've uh, learned so much about ACB and become more involved in ACB as we encourage everyone who receives one of our leadership awards. The DCAM First Timers Award is our primary leadership award, and those who join the class of 2021 will have the opportunity to participate in the virtual conference and convention this year. And next year, we hope to be in Omaha, Nebraska, where their way, their way will be paid to join us in Nebraska. So the prerequisites are being an ACB member, at least age 18, blind or visually impaired, member in good standing, having paid 2021 membership dues, never attended an in-person conference and convention. And we ask that applicants agree to participate in the entire convention from July 16th until the 23rd. There will be designated events that we ask them to agree to partake in. And we also want to make sure that they uh, know that each applicant is expected to submit a letter of application detailing who they are, what they've done in their local community, local chapter, or affiliate. And we uh, encourage you to read the uh, article for our DKM First Timers Award uh, that tells you all the details you need to know about how to apply. And in addition to the letter of application, we ask that an, uh, an affiliate president, whether it be special interest affiliate or state affiliate president, president to submit a letter of recommendation for the applicant who is a part of their affiliate. We want to ask you to visit our website. Our web page on the ACB website is www.acb.org forward slash DKM. To reach out to us with any questions, uh, you can actually send email to me at simeon.k at att.net. And that is S-E-M-I-E-N dot K, which is the letter K, at att.net, or give us a call at 409-866-5880. Thank you so much for your time, and we look forward to receiving those applications and letters of recommendation. Stay tuned. We will be on a community call coming up on Friday, March 5th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, and we ask you to tune in, and more of our notifications will, go will be going out on all of our ACB lists. Thank you. Have a great conference. 
Thank you, Kenneth, and thank you, Zelda, and thank the DKM Fund Committee for all the wonderful work they do uh, helping us develop uh, leaders of the future inside of ACB. And I just have to say, I am going to be so excited in Omaha when we have three years of DKM uh, uh, leaders that will all join us in person. So uh, I can't wait till that, till that party gets started. Thank you, Kenneth, and thank you, Zelda. Uh, next, we are going to hear from a wonderful friend and ally of the American Council of the Blind, and that is Karen Kinniger, Executive Director of the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled. Uh, Karen is from the Washington, D.C. area, and we would love to hear what's latest and greatest with the National Library Service. And uh, Karen, uh, please take it away. We're glad to have you here today. Okay, so, so again, it's a real pleasure to speak to ACB. I've always enjoyed um, having this opportunity, and it sounds like you've had a really fantastic year in spite of all of the things that we've all been dealing with, so congratulations on that, on all the activities that you've been doing. Um, I'm going to scoot through my list fairly quickly, and then we will um, circle back if anybody has any questions. So on the legislative front, I wanted to let you know that we are in the second year of funding for the e-reader project, the Braille e-reader project. It's a five-year um, funding, and we're in the second year of that, so we are able to uh, deploy e-readers and to buy more, and I'll talk about it in just a second. And we're also in the second year of our BARD modernization funding both of these funding um, streams were granted to us, I think largely because of the support that we've gotten from, from ACB and others. So thank you so much for that. It's been a tremendous way of, of getting, moving some things forward. Um, speaking of BARD modernization, we have moved BARD into the cloud. What that basically means for users at the other end is two things. One of which is that it caused some trouble with BARD mobile and we're getting all that worked out. Um, but the other is that the download speeds should be significantly faster. And the third and primary reason that we did this was so that we could expand our um, capabilities for, for support um, so we could have more barred users at a time. And we've about tripled, I think, our capacity at this point. So that's that's been a good thing. Um, and part of the reason for that is a regulatory change that we have just made within the last couple of weeks uh, this has been a long time coming, but what this regula regulation change will do is make it easier for people with print disabilities to sign up for NLS programs. They used to have to get a doctor's certificate saying that their print disability was due to some organic dysfunction or something. Um, that was a high bar for them, and we have, um, we have taken that away and allowed them to be certified by the same people who certify um, other people who apply. And we've added some other certifiers like um, reading specialists and school psychologists so that we can reach out to those people who could really benefit from our program. Um, I know the next question might be, what about, what about us? What about our basic you know, patron base? And the answer is that we have statutory priority to blind and visually impaired people. So um, hopefully we won't ever have a need to exercise it, but it's there in case of, of need. So the Braille e-readers, which has been a, a very um, major project for me and something that I'm, I'm very pleased to be able to report on, are out in uh, four or five states at this time. We have, um, we're in a pilot process. They've been out since November. 
and we are getting really good responses back from them and lots of downloading going on, lots of Braille reading. I know we all value Braille reading as, a, as our basis of literacy. We have a couple more states coming up um, in the next few months. Ohio and Washington will be getting the um, Zumax unit when, when those are ready to deploy. The humanware unit is the one that we have out in the uh, states that, are, that it's out in right now. So members of, of libraries in those states are eligible to get them. Unfortunately, we have to roll this out slowly. So we're going state by state. So um, I know we wish we could just give everybody one at once, but we're not able to do that. So um, as I said, we're getting really good feedback um, and lots of downloadings. So I think, think that part is going really well. Marrakesh, the Marrakesh Treaty that was um, finally ratified two years ago by the United States and then the NLS had to get some other regulations changed last summer in order for us to participate in Marrakesh. But all of our roadblocks have been lifted and we have begun to participate in cross-border exchanges. Um, one of the results of that is that we have swapped our collection with Canada and we will soon be adding Canadian titles to BARD. Um, so watch for those. We have been also adding some foreign language materials to Barge and we to Bard, and we actually added a bunch of French materials at one time, which we got some significant feedback from our customers, you guys, about. Um, and we're looking into um, ways to not deluge us with a particular foreign language. Um, all at once. But one of the things that we're working on is a way in Bard Mobile, particularly where this issue is, is strongest, um, a way that people will be able to opt into the subjects that they're interested in or opt out of the ones that they're not interested in. That's going to be coming in in the next iteration of Bard Mobile, I think, um, the next major um, update. So watch for that. It'll be a while as things always are, but it is coming. And in the meantime, we're looking at ways to, um, to make these titles that are in foreign languages available without having them all coming through at once on the, on the BARD mobile. So um, this past year, during the COVID year, we've added something around 4,500 new titles to BARD, and that doesn't include the... Um, the locally produced materials that we've been regularly getting from our network libraries. So BARD is growing by leaps and bounds, and we're very, very happy about that. We think that the more opportunities we have for accessing um, material, the better. So we're working hard to increase these numbers. And this year, our goal is 5,000 titles to add to BARD. And um, hopefully, we'll be able to reach that goal. We're well on our way. So what's coming up at NLS? Well, one of the things that we're working on is a, is a smart speaker skills or what they're called on, on uh, Google Home, I'm not sure. But anyway, the ability to play bard books on, um, on a, your smart speaker, that's, we have a contract that's working on that and a lot of the groundwork is already laid for that. So that should be coming fairly, um, hopefully within the next um, Multi, several months anyway. Um, also, we're doing a small field test right very soon about um, with a smart smartphone um, project that we've been working on for a couple of years. The smartphone will be completely voice controlled and except for the initial login, which has to have a screen. 
but um, we're going to test this with about 200 patrons um, to see how, how they take to this particular approach. We are still working out what is going to be the next talking book machine. And we are, um, this is one possibility that we are looking at. Uh, we have also contracted to develop a, what we are calling a stopgap talking book machine, but basically a, a kind of an intermediate device that will um, very much look like the current talking book machine was at least in terms of the, it's a big desktop unit with big buttons and stuff, but it was, will also have um, connectivity to, to bars so that you'd be able to download directly into it. Um, th these will be, made available on a fairly limited basis when they are available. Um, their primary intent is so that we don't ever run out of talking about machines, which we're not close to doing, but we're just kind of covering the bases. But we also want to see how people take to being able to download directly from BARD into the talking about machine. So that will be coming in the next, probably the next year. Um, the last thing I wanted to, to mention is that I am planning to retire this spring. Um, it's been a fabulous nine years, and I've really appreciated ACB's support throughout my, my tenure as director of NLS. And I particularly want to thank you for your support, and as evidenced in the fabulous award that I was um, honored to receive last summer. So thank you so much. Um, the job of director of the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled is posted on USA Jobs now. It will be closing March 29th. And if you know anybody or if you are anybody who's interested in applying for that position, uh, it's a big job, but it's a fabulous job. So I would encourage you to consider it. And that is basically my report for today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Karen, and thank you for being a friend and an ally of the American Council of the Blind. And we wanted to take just a moment here to, uh, to recognize all of your efforts, and we would like to present you, of course, virtually. It will, it will uh, be, be arriving in the, in the mail soon, but we would like to present to you an ACB Lifetime Member Award and Scholarship. So you will forever be a member of the American Council of the Blind. It's one of our highest honors, and you are so deserving. And we just thank you so much for all you've done to help the blind and visually impaired community. I am deeply honored. So thank you so much. This means a great deal to me. I've, I've, I don't know what else to say. Thank you so much. Yay! Congratulations, Karen. Thank you so much. You're a friend and an ally, and, uh, and don't be a stranger. You're retiring, but you're still a member of our blind and visually impaired community, and you'll always be a member of ACB. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so very much. All right. Have a good afternoon. We appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Well, thank you. Wow. We are going to miss Karen. She's such a wonderful person. So if anybody's interested in that job, there's a lot of wonderful qualified ACP, ACB folks out there. You know, keep, uh, uh, keep that opportunity in mind. Uh, and again, thanks to Karen. Uh, next, we'd like to hear from our ad hoc resolutions committee. Uh, that resolu the Resolutions Committee was chaired uh, by Ray Campbell from Glen, Allen, uh, Glen Ellen, Illinois, who is our second vice president and was, the, again, chair of the Ad Hoc uh, Resolutions Committee. And Gabe Griffith, 
who was, is the chair of our resolutions committee and is also president of the California Council of the Blind. So Ray and Gabe, uh, please take it away. Thank you, Dan, and good afternoon, everyone. Okay. I haven't had a chance haven't had a chance to uh, say hello to everyone yet, uh, but hello to everyone in ACB. Well, they only gave us ten minutes, so uh, as Tony Stevens would say, I think it's be direct, be brief, and be gone. So, um, <laughs> hope I had that right. So, Gabe's going to handle most. Be, be of this. brief, uh, actually, is officially it, right? Okay, be brief, I, be brief, be brilliant, and be gone. And be, there got it, it, got it. Okay, <laughs> I wanted to. Um, okay, well, I. I, I <laughs> I left the brilliance out. I, that was not an oversight. Um, uh, but anyway, um, so Gabe was going to handle. Well, we can definitely a lot try of, to be brief and be gone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, uh, Gabe's going to handle a lot of this, but I just wanted to uh, say that we had a terrific team. Uh, if I start naming people, I'll forget someone. But um, I, I think that one of the great things about working with this uh, ad hoc team, uh, which came out of you, the members, asking us to say, hey, take a look at this resolutions process. Our goal from the start was we want to make the resolutions process as easy and as transparent and as uh, because the resolutions are really what we the, and you, all the members, are saying that ACB needs to do or needs to say or whatever. And so we wanted to have that as part of that. And I think that everybody who served on the committee would agree that we had very good, thoughtful discussions. We didn't always agree with each other, but we went through that and, uh, and everyone got a chance to participate and be heard. And I think that was something that we really wanted to do. So we've come up with, I think, a, a good process that's going to um, uh, enhance the resolutions uh, uh, for ACB going forward. Um, you, you've seen a report in your conference handouts uh, of the work that we did that was endorsed by the board of directors in November. And so um, it gives me great pleasure then to turn it over to Gabe Griffith, the chair of the resolutions committee to kind of take us through what we're going to be, what we're going to be resolving to do going forward. So Gabe, go right ahead, sir. <laughs> Thanks, Ray. And I do have some points I'm going to cover. And uh, Ray, if there's anything that I miss, please let me know. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of talk about the process of what we're looking at for this year and then what we're going to look at in the future of uh, when we're able to go back into person. So for this year, what we're going to do is we're going to ask, well, first of all, uh, I guess for future, we're, we're, hoping to have a uh, constitution bylaws amendment that would revise when resolutions are due. But for this year, what we're going to do is we're going to ask that resolutions be submitted 45 days before the convention, which would be roughly June 1st. Um, that's not going to be a, a requirement. So the, the final deadline is probably going to be sometime during convention um, last year, we had it on the, the last day of convention, so we'll probably, I'm guessing, do something like that again this year. What we will then do is once we have the resolutions all submitted, we will have the committee kind of do some working on them uh, behind the scenes, uh, working with the uh, submitters of the resolutions. And then much like last year, we're going to have some community calls on those to do the final editing so that people can all participate. 
as people have probably heard if you listened to the board meeting yesterday or there was a community call last night and uh, my understanding is going to be that it's going to be widely disseminated and discussed more but this year acb is going to have a a uh, virtual voting process but that's only going to be for elections and so as we did last year the uh, resolutions that uh, that are passed through the committee are going to be submitted to the ACB board for their final decision and adoption and action. In the future, uh, we we uh, think that having resolutions submitted ahead of convention are going to have a number of benefits. Some of those are for the committee members themselves. Uh, the committee resolutions committee at convention typically meets as many have probably heard late at night i think eight o'clock at night is usually the earliest that we start meeting and those meetings often go midnight one two a.m sometimes even even later into the morning than that and so if the committee isn't having to meet late at night it's going to give more ability to be awake and actually participate in convention, uh, especially being awake for the general sessions in the morning and aware for that. Um, If we have the process done mostly over community calls, then judging from last year, we will be able to have more members actually show up to the meetings and participate. Um, In my experience, usually on those in-person meetings, it's, maybe a handful of folks in the room that uh, that are not committee members. Um, usually only those folks that are really interested in a specific resolution. And last year on the community calls, we had great participation. We had, I don't even remember, maybe 20 people at least on a call. So that was really encouraging. And we, we hope to be able to learn from that and utilize that going future or going forward. Also, if resolutions are done ahead of time, then we won't have to, hopefully we'll be able to, to do one or two a day throughout the, the convention and therefore won't end up with the final day being an eight or nine hour day of listening to resolutions being read. Uh, and along with that, we plan to be able to have hard copies of the resolutions. You know, Sometimes we have resolutions that have 15, 18, 25 clauses to them and are very technical in nature. And so uh, we're hoping to be able to have hard copies so that folks can get them and be able to to read them and study them ahead of time. Um, Also, we're going to be, I I don't know how widely this is, is known, but after the convention and after resolutions are adopted, members of the resolutions committee of the of the staff and of the acb board get together and figure out a prioritization of the resolutions and so what we want to do is be able to um, figure out more a better criteria for those resolutions so that you know if it's writing a letter or uh, working on legislation that the acb staff has a, a better direction of how that can go. Um, and then finally, what I want to do is just give out my information, um, especially since it's 
as uh, Dan had said, I'm also the president of California Council of the Blind. So my information is on our website anyway. So I'm not giving away any secrets here. You can reach me by email at gabe.griffith. That's G-A-B-E dot G-R-I-F-F-I-T-H at C-C-B-N-E-T dot org. Or you can also reach me at 925-222-5762 in case you have any questions about this process or a question about uh, submitting a resolution. The, the committee, if you have an idea, the committee is always happy to help uh, craft that into a resolution and get it submitted. So please, if you have any questions, reach out again, gabe.griffith at ccbnet.org or 925-222-5762. Yep. Thank you. Ray, do you have anything to add to all of that? I'll just real quick uh, talk about, just mention that the committee is there and very helpful in writing resolutions. Not to put her on the spot, but last year, Regina Brink had an idea for a resolution. She was very passionate about it, but she's never written a resolution before. Went to the committee, the committee helped her, and it was one of the ones that we adopted. So uh, that was uh, the, the other thing. The other thing I'd just say, the new process as we move forward with it is going to be widely communicated. So you will know uh, when that uh, those deadlines are and, um, and all of that. That's all I have. All right. And, and, and with that, if any deadlines change, it won't be until probably at least 2023 because we're going to have to have an in-person meeting to be able to adopt a new, any, any uh, bylaws amendments. So. Yep. And Dan, Dan, thank you for uh, the chance to serve on that ad hoc committee. Um, having been involved in resolutions for many years, I know I had some thoughts on it and this whole thing is, as Ray said, came out of a resolution that was submitted uh, a couple of years ago now. So um Thank you for the chance to serve both on the resolutions committee and on this task force. It was a great experience. Well, thank you, Gabe. And thank you, Ray. And I loved what you all said at the end about communications. And uh, next up is our community group. And I know I can hear uh, Cindy Hollis's wheels turning already. So don't forget those community (laughs) events. And they're a great way to talk about resolutions and get the word out. So we'll look forward to those. And uh, that'll give people an opportunity to ask questions. So thank you, Ray. Cindy knows knows I know nothing about community events. No, not not a bit. All right. <laughs> thanks, Ray, and thanks, Gabe, and have a, have a rex, uh, great rest of the DC Leadership Conference. Thanks so much. You too. Thanks. All right. Next, I uh, want to have the opportunity to introduce a wonderful panel to discuss uh, the community. And so, first, we have Cindy Hollis, our membership services coordinator from Flat Rock, Michigan, and then Kaylee Al- Allen from Mesa, Arizona. Leslie Spoon from Orlando, Florida, uh, Tyson Ernst from Springfield, Illinois, and Linda Yaks uh, from Harris, Arkansas. So, Cindy, take it away. We look forward to learning more about the community. All right. Thank you so much, Dan. And we will get to that panel in just a minute. I kind of wanted to start off by giving a real quick overview of the changes that have occurred in the community that didn't even exist a year ago. <laughs> so it's it's just really 
overwhelming to think about. It wasn't even a thought. We had not planned this program. It has become, I dare say, one of the largest programs that ACB is uh, conducting at this time. And a year ago, I had announced that we were going to start the Hump Day Happy Hour for Presidents, and uh, that did start on March 11th. It was just a few days later that we were told we'd be working from home indefinitely, and everything started closing, and my membership services wheels started spinning going, oh my gosh, people can't get together. How can you stay connected? (laughs) So I created what I am referring to our first community event, which was on March 17th. And it was posted just on leadership and asking leaders to come together and let's talk about ways that we could stay connected. And we did two such calls that week. Uh, The next week, I planned to do a couple of just social events myself. I called them coffee socials. Those were on Tuesday and Thursday. I started them at 1 p.m., but eventually, it wasn't very long after, we moved them up to 11 a.m., and I still do them, and they have evolved as well into something different. But it was that Friday, that first Friday, Dan, you and I talked And you said, what about reaching out and seeing if anybody else, you know, has uh, calls that they would be willing to open up to anybody and, and the rest is history. I did that. I got a few emails from affiliates who were willing to do uh, that and put together a, a, sort of calendar, sent that out. In those first two weeks, we had 11 calls. So that first real week, it was probably about nine calls that we opened up to everybody. Nine today would be like a bad day. (laughs) I mean, you know, this in a week, we typically have anywhere from 10 to 19 calls in one day. In our, in our first full month, we had, I believe, 68 events or calls. Uh, I don't even remember when we last had 68 calls in a week. Uh, this past week, we had 93. Uh, we have, I think, 77 this week. And that's with the DC Leadership Conference going on for three days. And some people that normally would hold an event have suspended for just this week. So you could see that there has been great growth and a lot of people have been around since the beginning, but many continue to join us. And why? It's because they're invited. It's because people are sharing it on email lists, not just our affiliate email lists, but they're sharing them on guide dog lists and other organization lists. And we have uh, voc rehab counselors and TVIs sharing it with their students or clients. And uh, so the word is getting out. And 
I like to think of the community as ACB and our doors are open and anybody can come in. So it's, we don't ask for ID at the door. When we have an event on the schedule, anyone is welcome. Anyone, and that means anyone, whether they're a member or not. It means regardless of age, uh, we welcome everyone. Consequently, our youngest participant so far that we know of is 12 years old. And we know we have several people that are of our senior population and everything in between. And people of all ages have stepped up to help with whether it's putting together an event or hosting. We are blind people really working this community and doing for each other, which I feel like has made this so not only organic in the growth, but authentic in what we do. And so some of the changes that have occurred, well, we, of course, over the course of the first few months, we added a community stream to ACB Radio. Thank you, thank you, ACB Radio and their support. They started streaming for us some of our events. And next thing you knew, we had a community channel. And it is uh, turned into, of course, podcasts. About a third of our events are streamed and podcasted. And uh, we are so grateful for that. And the hundreds of people that count on those podcasts and listening to the, the recordings that continue to play on the community channel, whether we have something live going on or not, are, are appreciative as well. And of course, people can access our calls through Zoom, including on their regular phone, and they can also listen to ACB radio on their landline as well, which is really an important piece because we want this to be accessed by everyone. So we have pre-recorded information about all of our calls and you can listen to that via phone by calling 800-424-8666 and following the prompts. There is a listing for every day. In the beginning, it was attempted to put all of that information in one mailbox. Well, we quickly moved to three and then five, and now we have a mailbox for every day because we just have so many calls. We formed a community uh, Facebook group, very active, positive, uplifting, supportive environment. I'm so proud of what is offered there because it really is a place for people to go and get questions answered and share information and just really be a continuance of the community that of these events that we do. We have, of course, the blog that has been mentioned in the past and uh, the Voices blog is is another way for us to share what's going on in the community. So there's probably something else I'm missing, but I really want to focus on what kinds of calls or events you'll find in our community. 
And they have evolved. And in the beginning, they were mostly social. And social is still probably close to a third of the calls. So social calls are still very, very popular. But we have calls that are technology related. Uh, we we call these personal development, so they can be learning the guitar or learning a craft. Uh, oh my goodness, peer support, lots of peer support being offered. Our first peer support call was our widows and widowers call, and it has grown from there. Uh, and then we have Let's see. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> Health and wellness. One of our first calls was a yoga call. We're going to hear about that. Uh, but that has expanded substantially and significant participation from our uh, attendees in those calls, regulars. And we have something currently six days a week in that realm. And then many of the calls are topic driven and which really encompasses anything that I didn't mention already. So a topic driven call could be something as serious as talking about resolutions or voting at convention uh, or voting in general uh, when you know we had a lot of calls on voting uh, for the elections it, last fall. They can also be uh, lighthearted, like talking about old-time radio or radio in general, music, book chats. Uh, we have several of those popping up, so you, I don't think we can have enough of them. And so that gives you some idea. And then, of course, fun. We have a lot of fun calls. Uh, we can always use more, but uh, we do game night. We, we have opportunities for people to share their talents and sing and have fun and it's just become quite a, a place to build community and community means that it's not just somebody talking at people there is participation it allows for people to take part in it and really be a part of the community and we see it all the time where you know you ask for help people reach out and offer it. And uh, because of that, I, I posted something not long ago about if anybody has filed their own taxes using uh, assistive technology and has been successful, please let me know. I have a panel of three already I'm putting together that uh, we should be able to provide some real-time uh, help Two people and these three individuals that reach out to me all use different programs, which is really cool. Uh, if you are somebody who's low vision and has filed your taxes successfully using magnification programs, I'd love to hear from you. Community at acb.org. All right. But now I want to get into the panel because I selected four people that have played really pivotal roles in building our community. And uh, this is a, a sampling of really who we have taking part in our community and actively keeping us moving forward. So, uh, Leslie Spoon, Kayla Allen, Tyson Ernst, and Linda Yaks. If you could all unmute, I'm going to ask you each different questions and, um, well, some of it will be the same question, but I'll just call on you. And uh, so let's start 
with you, Leslie. Uh, of course, people know you. You're you're <laughs> married to our president. So, Hello, Cindy. Yeah. Hey, Les. Um, I am married to the president. Yes. You are. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, it's funny because somebody asked me on one of my calls just real briefly. They said, "Do you happen to know Dan Spoon?" <laughs> and see, it's because we have so many new people in the community. Not everybody knows everything about ACB, right? Right. It was so funny, and I said. Um, yes, I do. I happen to know him very well. He is my husband. <laughs> and, so, Leslie, and they how laugh, long have so. you been a member of ACB? I have been a member of ACB. Well, well, to take it back a little bit further, I was. I've been a member of the Florida Council of the Blind for twenty years. Um, over twenty years, I be, I moved to Orlando in nineteen ninety seven from Las Vegas, Nevada. When Dan and I met and got married, you don't want to know that story, but. Sure we do, but a different time. A different, a different time. time. So um, FCB, I've been involved with the Florida Council of the Blind and my local chapter, the Greater Orlando Council of the Blind. It was known as Mid-Florida Council of the Blind when I joined it, and I was president of that chapter in 2000. So um, the blindness world is not new to me. Um, you know, I do have retinitis pigmentosa. So I was involved in my local chapter when I married Dan and moved to Orlando because that's what he did, you know? So I was like, well, that's what we're going to do as a couple. So um, became president in 2000. I am now a fundraising chair. I've been that for many, many moons. Sheila Young, near and dear friend of mine. She's the president of our local chapter and president of the state affiliate, which is great. So, um, so I've been involved with that, um, you know, over, over many years. And I remember meeting you at a national convention. Yeah, so I was going to get to that. So real quickly, so 2009, here it comes. I had, well, to back up a little bit more, I, I owned my own women's gym for five years. So we had to kind of back out for a little bit, Dan and I, because that was my dream. And Dan gave me my dream. Um, what a wonderful husband I have. I said to him, I want to have my own gym. And he said, well, we'll do it, you know, but we can't be involved in the council for these many for five years. And I said, okay. So we did that because that took 80 hours of my life. So um, I understand. Yeah. So that's our work life balance, you know, that we all talk about. So it comes and goes. So 2009, you know, the economy got bad. Dan says, we're going to have to close the gym. And I said, no, really? We're going to have to close my life. What are we going to do? And he says, we're going to get back involved in the council. So we got lucky. The council came to us. The American Council of the Blind came to us. And um, right, my sister came. That's past Anita. She came, you know, I was very close to my sister. And she came. And she was also visually impaired. And um, for people that did know her, she was this big, wonderful, booming personality and just loved everybody and loved FCB and ACB and was very I'm going to ask you to speed up, Leslie. Oh, sorry. I was involved have, in Nevada. Yeah. I'm sorry. I talked like okay. Dan. I've gotten to... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so ACB came to us in 2009, and we went. And so then, behold, I met this wonderful person named Cindy Hollis and Brenda and Dan Dillon and got involved. And ever since then, it's just been, you know, a wonderful marriage. My memory is you guys selling, I think you got to selling Braille Raffle, Braille form raffle tickets, like almost show your love for ACP oh by Braille, Braille yep. form raffle tickets. I remember, still, still in my brain. Yeah, all right, okay, all right. So, we're gonna move over to Tyson. Tyson, how did, how did, or how long have you been a member of uh, ACB? 
I've been a member of ACB since uh, 2017 when I moved to Illinois and uh, just by chance happened to run into the ICB president uh, looking for a job. And uh, she invited me out the next weekend to their state affiliate uh, convention. And my partner at the time went and never looked back. And you are now an affiliate uh, acting president, right? Currently, yes. Yep. I am the acting president for the Veterans Affiliate, Visually Impaired Veterans of America. All right. And Linda, how about you? I joined um, ACB in 1994. Um, My children were grown by then, and I had the time to devote to it. It's pretty much been my volunteer go-to since. I've held many, many offices, and uh, I I just want to say that this community has just saved my sanity through this pandemic. And how about you, Kayla? Um, I am new. I just became a member in July um, because I felt so accepted not being a member, it made me want to become a member. Oh, good. I'm not the baby here. (laughs) No, I am. (laughs) No, Kayla's the baby. All right. So, Kayla, we're going to stay with you um, because I I want people to get an idea of what really happened and what brought you to ACB. So, you joined, you're one of the, I think, later stories of actually facilitating a call. So tell us about what brought you to the community calls. Um, I ha- my friend Melanie um, just was talking about the coffee socials and stuff like that. And so she sent me an invitation to come. Um, and that was late April. And then in June or in May sometime, we decided we were going to start a craft group. And our idea was to meet for an hour, two Sundays a month, and um, just facilitate and talk about craft. Um, okay. So that first meeting was June 7th. Yes. So that's and my, I, that was my first hosting. <laughs> and, and then eventually, <clears throat> you, you were there to support Melanie, and eventually now it's become your baby pretty quickly it did right yeah 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 it was too much for her she's like I can't handle this is too much and we're going to talk about the too much because you're the one we're going to talk about all the changes that have happened with those craft calls they've been amazing but I want people to be hearing that Kayla came because somebody invited her to come to the community and because of that she became she went to convention she became a member, and she is, uh, she is leading the crafting kingdom. And we will, we will come to that here in a, in a little bit more about what all the changes that have occurred just in that area of community calls. So I'm going to go back over to Linda. Linda, what was the first call you started? Why did you decide to um, uh, start facilitating a call and, and how long, you know, when did you start coming to the community calls? So however you want to bridge those together. I think I was on one of the very first coffee socials that you did. Um, I don't remember how I heard about it, probably through something email Mm -hmm. related. Uh, I terribly missed 
being able to go to church. I wasn't getting fed spiritually and felt that was probably happening throughout the community. So my friend Vicki Ireland and I started, let's just talk about Jesus. Back in, um, I think we had a meeting or two before the convention, and then we took off that week or so and came back. So that was my first call. I have a husband who is in a nursing home, and I had done hands-on caregiver support for him and felt like there was probably a lot of folks out there who were missing their loved ones because they were in long care or who were doing hands-on caregiving support. So I started the um, caregiver support group. And to be honest with you, I don't remember when we started that. And then just recently, there was a lot of discussion about finances and wanting to have a call on that. So we've had, I think, three let's just talk finance calls now. And so that's what I've been doing and I love it. And then Linda is also a host and has been hosting for quite a while now and uh, uh, hosts webinar calls as well. So, and, and has started volunteering, helping me with categorizing all of our calls, which is really important so that we can show statistics about what we're doing. So thank you, Linda, for your service. Uh, Tyson, why don't you tell us a little bit what brought you to a community call and about what was your first facilitating of calls? Because you did, you're our first series. I, I was. <laughs> um, so getting, getting into the calls in the first place was something showed up on one of my email lists of forward saying, hey, here's this thing to do. And and uh, I wasn't doing, I, I really had no connection with people at the time because of the pandemic shutdown. And uh, our local chapter had stopped seeing each other because of that. Uh, we had our, it was like a couple of days in, in March that we had it. And we were joking about getting together like the next week to, to talk, to, to get to, to have some beers over like St. Patty's Day or something. So that came out um, and I joined, yeah, like I think I joined your first one. Um, and uh, as far as, as far as me starting up a series, I'm blaming that completely upon you. Well, hey. <laughs> so you, you were talking during one of those social. What did days. I do? <laughs> You came out during a social and you said, if anyone wants to host a call about anything, if you have a topic you're good at, if you have oh, a skill you're good I at. I probably did like do that, that. Yeah. And send me an email and, and let's talk about it and let's do it. So I thought about it for a weekend and I wrote up this whole proposal about, you well, did. I'm going to do this and I taught for this year, <laughs> stuff like that. And I'd love to do this about the Victor Reader stream, da, 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 da. And, um, and I shot it off and I got a response back in about 10 minutes that said, sold. It's the funny thing is, is I think you were trying to sell me, and you didn't need to sell me. You just need to. Say, yes, I'd like to do this, and I was like, well, yeah. Okay. I wanted to show you that I was qualified to do it. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, just a one-word response sold, uh, and that started. Uh, so, I, I started the first one talking about what the victor was and how to how to look at it and operate it, and that ended up becoming a six-part series before we literally like went through the entire thing. Uh, and I'm going to be doing, and uh, I just got asked by Bits to do an updated um, kind of a talk about it uh, because there's some new things that just came out in the last couple months. Wonderful. So that led to um, that led to uh, some stuff with Rachel Schroeder from Illinois, where we talked about some some PC computer stuff, and that's been on hold for quite a long time. But the but the other big thing it led to was um, the Magic Mac show, which came out of a, a seeing a need where we were talking about 
iPhones and iPads with Matt Balbrecht and Andrea DeClasse was doing her basic class and uh, Diane was doing her iPhone Facebook class. And there was all these things about phones and, and PCs and all this stuff. And there was nothing for Mac computing. So I, I, I talked to Jason Castingway into being my partner in crime with that so that when I you know messed up something, he could call me out on it. And uh, that evolved to, to bring in Katie Fredericks, which is, you know, a fabulous decision for that show. And since, the, since that, the three of us, I love doing that call. That's like just being amongst two friends and Debbie's been hosting it, Debbie Hazleton. So, yeah, it's just been phenomenal. So, you know, one of the things that I think back about the Victor uh, calls and those, it was, it ended up being six. It was the first one that we did on a, on a regular basis weekly um, Wednesday nights and people looked forward to it. So it was the, it, it was kind of that first call that specialized technology level call. And that was also podcasted streamed podcasted i still get i still get i still get emails from people they're saying thank you so much i look back at that all the time and i listen back to it so really it it kind of changed some of the direction and really told us that these calls weren't going to just be social uh the the social element as i mentioned is still very much there but i think that that was the call that really said uh you know there's there's some needs for people to to learn. We have this opportunity, this platform to share with our members and friends about blindness-related topics and really, you know, share some, some knowledge, educate, um, and just provide this service. And it definitely has exploded. It's not, it, it's, it's not just any one given topic. And so anyway, thank you, Tyson, for stepping up. And I, I'm guilty as charged. I did say that. I know I did. <laughs> and there's no doubt. Um, and, but I've also, I'm going to tell you, I've said sold probably to many people who have asked if they could do something, maybe not use the word sold, but, you know, um, I've, I've had many people reach out to me and say, can we do this? And is there a time that this would work? And, you know, what, what would be the best time? Well, you know, if, if somebody wants to do something and it is family friendly and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm game for us to give it a try because you never know. We are a big community with varying interests, right? Including some of us who want to stay healthy and well and, and so, uh, before the get up, get moving campaign <laughs> even gets starting, uh, we had, get up. Should we, we get up and get moving? <laughs> <laughs> we had Leslie. And Leslie, how did you get started with your first yoga call? And, uh, and yeah, what brought you to participate in the community and get going with that? Well, you know I love to get going, Cindy. So, I know, I know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, even as we were ending yesterday, I told Dan I got to get on the elliptical. I've sat too long. So um, you actually, we actually spoke the end of yeah. March. Um, I know you and Dan and Eric had this this wonderful collaboration, as we all say, and created the community events. And I talked to you and I said, you know, I would love to do a yoga class and. 
I think at the end of March and last year, you said, let's do it. You kind of like Tyson sold. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a wonderful thing for me. Um, you know, I can't, I can't say enough to you for, for giving me this opportunity. Uh, I love to teach and, and teach people my trade because, you know, getting up and getting moving is hard for the blind and visually community. And uh, it's just been a really, really eye opener to me to teach blind and visually impaired folks because I got to be honest, I teach to sighted people. I've taught to sighted people for the last 25 years. So, this is a new eye opener for me. I've had maybe had one or two blind people that came to my gym um, that you guys would know that are in our community. And so, you know, I talked to them, but this has been really great for me because now I'll talk to my sighted friends because, you know, they still come over and we still walk and we still do aqua and walk on the treadmill. And I'll say, hey, what do you all think about the clock? You know, do you think this, this makes sense to you or something like that? I'm like, close your eyes and let me know if this makes sense to you. So it's been a really, really ex good experience for me, thinking out so, of the box. So, Leslie, you started with one call. It was on Wednesdays, I believe, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it was Wednesdays. on Monday or Wednesday. I can't remember. Okay, it was one of those so, days. One of those days. Um, and it was soon thereafter. The next thing you know, you were doing two yoga classes, right? Monday and right. Wednesday. So. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's evolved. So tell everyone... What are the calls you are doing now? So Monday is easy chair yoga, which we're very easy. And then Wednesday is more advanced. We're on the floor yoga. So we call it full flexibility yoga. And those are both at 4 p.m. Eastern. Tuesday and Thursday is resistance um, 101. And you can have bands. You can have soup cans. You can have weights. That's um, seated or standing. And that's the resistance. So I'm teaching them all about their muscles and their body. I'm teaching them how to you know, what their muscles mean. What, what is your gastrocnemius soleus, which is your calf? What is your anterior tibialis, which is your shin? You know, so they're getting, they're getting the body. They're learning the body. You speak very well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Can you, you know? spell those words? No. <laughs> uh, I could, but you don't want me to. <laughs> so that, mm. those are on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 3.30 p.m. And then... We know yeah. New Year's comes and we all say, what are New Year's resolutions? I want to lose weight. I want to, I want to work out, but I really don't like yoga and I really don't want resistance. I really want some cardio. So we have added a happy hour cardio on Fridays at 3.30. This is so much fun, guys. I tell you, you don't even have to have any equipment. I'm telling people how to dance around. It's just a half hour cardio, and then we do balance and abs, which is, you know, your stomach, but you don't say stomach anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for letting me know. That's yeah, good. <laughs> don't say stomach. It's either your core or your abs. So, okay. so it's evolved. And you know, the great thing, Cindy, and I know I'm trying to be quick. The great thing is anybody can come to these. You don't have to come to yoga or you don't have to come to resistance. Come to happy hour cardio. You don't want to do cardio? Come to yoga. So there's something for everybody. So get up and get going. There you go. All right. Thank you, Leslie. And I want now Kayla to share. Remember, you guys, she's the one that came, the, late, the last one to enter the community and joined our organization after she was already fully en engulfed. <laughs> 
in in community activities through the craft activities. So tell us now today, uh, and you can you could certainly share the um, progression if you'd like. But tell us where you are today, Kayla, with these craft activities. Well, specifically today, um, my partner in crime, Courtney, is hosting our 75th event. Right now. Since June. Right now? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so um, that's pretty, when I counted that up this week, just to see where we were at, I was pretty impressed. I didn't that realize, is amazing. You know. so, it, also um, tells, it also tells us that uh, that is not doing something just twice a month. <laughs> I mean, you know, whether you're good at math or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, we've, we've slowly evolved. Um, w- like I said, we started with just doing chats and people that was available to them already was just doing a craft chat. Um, Hadley already did that, um, which they do a great job, but they wanted more. They wanted hands on. They wanted to learn the skills and get their hands messy. And so I, my first class that I taught was, um, we took a glass jar and we decorated it and told each other about it. And then the next one was origami. Um, because it happens so quickly, I wanted to do things that they already had the materials to do in their home. So that's kind of where it started. Um, now we have um, a variety of people from the community helping teach classes. Um, some of them provide kits and mail them out and do all the payment and I don't do anything to do, you know, they take care of it all. <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, so people are able to get kits for a craft that they've never done before. And the nice thing about that is you get what you need for that project and you don't have to go buy a whole bunch of materials and then decide, um, you know, this really isn't for me. I don't want, you know, and have a whole bunch of materials to um, store, get rid of, or or even try to have to get to the store. So that's been really cool. Um, so we had two events in June and March. I have 16 events uh, scheduled right now. So we stay busy. Repeat that. How many? 16 for March right now. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, so, and a lot yeah. of them are two hours, right? Yeah. So that's really been great. Like, Cindy, I've come to Cindy. I'm like, how, how can I go? Can I do 90 minutes? She's like, sure. I'm like, if this isn't enough time, can we do two hours? She's like, sure. Like, pretty much anything I've asked for, I've not been told no. Maybe there's been a suggestion of doing it better or different, but Cindy's never said, no, we can't do that. And that's been amazing for someone like me who is creative to not be told no, because when you're told no, then you're kind of shut down. <laughs> so um, that alone has been amazing. Just knowing that I have support in what I'm doing. And um, yeah, so, and Courtney helps a lot. Like I couldn't do this without Courtney. Beyond, and so. you you guys have several correspondent ways you communicate with each other as well you have how many email lists do you guys have um we have a main list that is just general crafts where i send out like a weekly email that will have like all your craft supplies needed it's like for. a little mini newsletter you guys it's amazing anyway and i tried it so i have 
classes on there. Um, next week we'll have classes and supplies through May or somewhat into May. So I have all that already booked through May right now. Um, so I will start booking June for people. So that's really exciting for me that the community is just amazing. Everyone is stepping up and wanting to help and be part of it. And that is really cool for me. Um, we have a, we have craft specific groups. So we have an ongoing crochet class that meets twice a month. Um, and so we have a Google group that ju is just for that. The same for loom knitting and needle knitting. Um, so we have Google groups separate for that. Um, we are starting a buy, sell, trade group. So if you have extra craft supplies and stuff like that, you'll have a platform where you can um, either sell or trade them with someone else. So um, to help dash bust, bust out, you know, I don't need 90 things a yarn, or maybe I do. But <laughs> 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 for those don't have as, as of an understanding husband as I do, <laughs> no. Um, so we're, we're doing that. Um, we just started a craft group, this last, like a chat group. That was one thing people really wanted is just a place for them to come and sit and do whatever craft they're working on and just chat. And so um, we have um, people, I had, there was a girl there from Finland, Canada, and then all over the United States. So it's really cool that we're reaching more than here. I mean, I, before this, I worked on a local level. And I was reaching a school where I went in and I taught art classes. Um, so this is really cool to know that it's not just my local um, area that I'm actually reaching. I'm reaching globally almost, um, you know. So we've had Australia and that's really cool to me. And you guys have a Facebook group so as limited. well. Yes. So yeah, yeah, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, so, so we have a Facebook group and then the listserv. And um, if anyone is interested, um, they can contact me at acbcrafters at gmail.com and I can get you info to be part of any of that. All right. So this is what the, the potential is out there for whatever it is that you think, if you think we need it, maybe we do. We probably do, actually. Uh, if you wish it to be, there's others that wish it to be, too. And so I didn't even get to talk about all the partnerships that we've had. We've had Matt Volbrecht, who came to us through gaming labs that we did, and he has been doing calls since the beginning of May uh, around uh, Apple products. He's a certified Apple teacher and has been so generous with his time, bringing his team on board every Friday at 3. Vispero has been coming on um, Thursdays, they are now at three o'clock. Every Thursday since October is when they started and hoping to bring more regular content like that. Uh, the, those partnerships, just so important. And, um, but what I was going to say is if you have an idea, uh, I don't want you to just give me ideas. I need you to help actually map it out. I can't look for the people to facilitate calls i get i get a lot of ideas thrown at me i i really just don't have that kind of time there's so many people out here though that are willing to share their their time their talent uh with the community and so 
you know, share it on an, an email list you're on or on the Facebook group, community Facebook group. If there's a topic and you'd love to see somebody lead it, uh, I mean, there's ways for us to reach out and bring more people into the community fold. So I, I, I will end by just saying that, you know, they say that it takes a village. We know it takes a community and it's each of you, these four that are here, and it's each of you out there that have come to one of our events. And whether you've come to one or you come to several a day, we're glad and we have new people coming on all of the time. And I hope that this is encouraging. If, if you are an affiliate leader or chapter leader and the wheels are spinning, gosh, I wonder if we could do that here for us. Yes, you can. Reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk you through it, help you out in any way I can. Uh, if you have ideas, if you want to do an event, I can be reached at community at acb.org. Uh, this community we know shows no sign of slowing down grateful that uh, we just received a grant and a job posting will be going up in the next uh, couple of weeks to support this community uh, and me with it and I appreciate that so uh, Dan thank you so much for this opportunity and thank you Tyson Linda Leslie and Kayla for uh, being with me today all right and My thank pleasure. you Cindy